If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App. And that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Iowa to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. Hope you're well, my friends. Thanks for your emails and messages this past week. I get a sense that most of you are managing to find ways to stay positive during this challenging time. The one thing that has really helped my mind state this past week is connecting with so many amazing people. I've been getting pinged a couple of times a day, uh, at least from people that I've known throughout my life, family, friends, clients, colleagues, uh, seeing their names pop up on my screen and reading their messages fills me up like nothing else. And I've even had gotten to talk to one of my good friends in Belgium for nearly two hours. We message each other with some regularity, but it's been nine years since I actually heard his voice. Not sure where that time went, but it took us no time to jump back into what we do best when we're together, which is making each other laugh and going deep about art and music and our families and friends and memories of our times together. And this was a reminder that I'm, I'm blessed to have so many people that I love and care about and who care about me. People who, during busier times, are always with me, but to be able to really connect with them right now has been a true gift. Speaking of gifts, I, I got this offering from Tom in Portland this last week. Uh, the email says, I just heard about your show from my wife, who's a nurse. She told me to listen to your episode with Tim Klein on the foundations of purpose. I've been furloughed recently and realizing this might be an opportunity for me to take some time to explore new avenues for myself, something that's been in the back of my mind for the past five years or so. This conversation with Tim really opened up a sense of possibility for me, and I can already feel changes taking shape. I don't usually take the time to write notes like this, but I just happen to have plenty of it right now, and I thought that I'd do something unusual and say thank you for putting out this meaningful content. Can't wait to listen to more episodes. Hope you're staying well through this wonderfully challenging time, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Great to hear that this conversation resonated with you and excited that you're making the most of this time. You'll be happy to know that Tim is going to be back on the show with my son next week. That's right. Phoenix, who will be 17 this summer, is going to be back on the show. And it's a pretty amazing conversation as Tim takes him through a series of questions designed to help him discover his purpose. It's, it's, it was amazing to just step aside and let somebody with the right skill set <laughs> without the emotional baggage lead him through this dialogue. So remember to subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss this one. And did I mention yet that I have Dr. Mary Jo Kreitzer on the show today, the founder and director of the Bakken Center for Spirituality and Healing at the University of Minnesota, one of the great minds in the realm of integrative health and healing. She'll be up in just a moment. If this is your first time listening to the show, I want to welcome you. Highway to Health is a place for you to explore and create your own blueprint for health. Having worked in integrative health for more than 20 years, I'm acutely aware of how all aspects of our lives come to have an effect on our overall state of being. And it is my hope that through the content and conversations you get here, that you'll be more engaged and empowered personally and in your communities. A uh, quick shout out to the new supporters of the podcast. Your dollars are really helping us build more resource and a whole community of health support. 
If you'd like to become a supporter of the podcast, you can do it in a couple of different ways. One is financial. You can support the show for as little as $1 a month by going to patreon.com forward slash highway to health, or you can click the link in the show notes on the app that you're listening on and become a, su a supporter today. The other is by sharing content we create to help more people become aware of Highway to Health and the resource we provide. And if you're a health professional or involved in a health-related project, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn uh, through the, or we have a, a contact page on the new website, highway2.health, and you can connect with me there so that I'm aware of your work. I'd love to bring you into this community of health improvement influencers. I'm so excited to finally have Dr. Mary Jo Kreitzer on the podcast today. We've been planning to do this since last year, and this was the date that we had settled on. Uh, we, we recorded it about three weeks ago. We had obviously planned to do this face-to-face, -face, and thankfully, with the help of technology, we were still able to make it happen. Outside of her role as the director of the Bakken Center for Spirituality and Healing, she serves as a tenure professor of, of the U of M School of Nursing and co-lead of the Doctorate of Nursing Program in Integrative Health and Healing. If that isn't enough, she serves as the co-principal investigator of numerous clinical trials, focusing on mindfulness and meditation of persons with chronic disease, as well as studies that explore the use of social technology to enhance healing and well-being, something many of us are learning about right now. We sort through some of this here in the episode as well. Please enjoy my conversation with Mary Jo Kreitzer. There was a statement on your site that I think is very timely, and it's something that continues to come up in conversations that I have on the podcast and addresses the, the question that we often don't ask ourselves, which is, what is our current state of health? Mm -hmm. And, and you know, related to this, I noticed that the center acknowledges that for, for many of us, there is an assumption that our, our state of health has changed now. And for somebody who's been going through a, a, a diagnosis like cancer, let's say, uh, you know, we've, we've had to sort out these realities for how specifically our health has changed. But for most of us, you know, we live unexamined with unexamined expectations of our continued health. And now we're presented with a virus that spreads easily and can kill even young, healthy people. So there's this a, a, attack on our assumption, which, which creates a form of anticipatory grief and that there is something bad out there and we don't know how it will manifest and, and when. How, how do you think this will affect our sense of well-being and individually and as communities? Um, well, Jeremy, I think that um, this is a time of such enormous um, uncertainty, you know, that people have about all kinds of things. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, what's, you know, interesting is that it's um, a time of uncertainty, not only about our health, but our livelihood, our economy, the infrastructure, freedom, security. I mean, the list could go on and on. And when you ask about health, I think a lot of people have um, almost taken their health for granted. Yeah. And so, you know, to have um, a, a virus, something that we can't even see, um, cause essentially this enormous turmoil all over the world, I think has incredibly caught people off guard. And I think it's a time to actually really um, take stock um, not only of our health, but at the Center for, for Spirituality and Healing, we talk a lot about well-being. And, you know, health is one aspect of well-being, and it's a really important aspect, but there are right. other aspects of well-being that are, you know, equally as important. Um, and so, you know, maybe that's something that we can go into a little deeper. 
Yeah. So, so, and, and I think that's, that's an important thing. I mean, just based on a conversation that we've had and also what the work that I think we, we have this, you and I both have this similar mindset about how, you know, how this sense of well being evolves and all the different players involved in that. So, if you could kind of break down a little bit of that, I know, you know, I, you're, you have this, exp, you know, background experience as a nurse, but you've also uh, been doing this work around, you know, I think for you, it started out as a conversation about wellness and mindfulness. And now, you know, that's kind of evolving into what is probably the more overarching part of this, which is what is what, what well-being actually looks like. Well, when I think of um, even the, the, the title, you know, well-being, you know, I think of all of the, the different things that um, contribute to our well-being. And so in the whole realm of health, I think what we know is that um, personal choices um, and decisions that we make, our lifestyle be and behaviors, have a huge impact on our physical health. And so what we eat, how much we move, how we manage our sleep, our thoughts and emotions, um, as well as our stress, all of those have a huge impact on health. And so within each one of those, you know, I think there are things that we need to be considering, you know, during this, you know, um, I would call it the COVID-19, um, you know, crisis. Healthy eating is still a priority, but it's really requiring us to do a lot more planning ahead, um, thinking about nutrition in terms of things like whole grains, vegetables, fruits, mm -hmm. um, thinking about food preparation time. What do we have access to? What do we have time for? And what do we have the energy to do? Um, and so, um, you know, I think there's all kinds of things that we can kind of rethink in terms of, you know, healthy, um, healthy eating. In the whole area of exercise and movement, I think it's a, <laughs> it's a challenging time. Many people are feeling a real loss not being able to do their usual routine, whether that's running or going to the gym, you know, taking a, a class. Um, and so I think it's really important to think of when your routine is off, finding, you know, new routines, um, new yeah, exercise yeah. routines, whether it's things people can do at home, like a balance ball, a TRX, eccentrics. Um, and a question I get, Jeremy, a lot is which thing is best to do? And what I often say is the one that you'll actually do. Uh, agreed. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is, I, I don't know how much of my background, you know, but I've, I've worked in functional movement for 20 years. And, yeah. you know, and I've worked in, I, I've basically sort of combined functional movement and hands-on therapies because for, for me, the, what I've, you know, learned over the, over the last 22 years is that the, the act of moving itself is actually one of the most incredible ways to, to bring about awareness and, and, and hands-on, you know, touch actually does a lot of that for us as well. But, it, but with anything that I start with, with people, it is actually just starting with the one thing that they, I know that they will do and starting to build on that. And also looking at like, what is it that you, that you find the most joy in, in terms of how you use your body? Well, those are such great examples, Jeremy, of focusing on what you can do instead of what you can't do. Yeah. And that's one of the things, I mean, in general, as I talk about all these different aspects of well-being, I really like to encourage people to think of what is in your control. There's so much not in your control right now, but what is in, is in your control? And just even um, continuing the conversation on movement, you know, there are things that people, in addition to kind of what you're talking about, like just finding ways to move and even finding like exercise routines that they can, you know, um, tap into a streaming class or a video, um, you know, using a standing desk for people that are working at home, um, taking breaks. Um, one of the things that 
I'm hearing from so many people is that these days are so long and there's so little boundary between um, working and not working. And so, you know, taking breaks, getting outside are, you know, really, really, you know, critical things. So healthy eating, movement, um, sleep is such an aspect of health, you know, that's important. And we know that sleep is essential for the health of our body and mind. And a lot of us, even under normal times, struggle to get um, a solid eight hours of sleep um, a night. So I think it's really important to, you know, you know, fall back on some classic, you know, sleep tips. And one of the most important being honoring your body's need for sleep. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, people may be accustomed to, you know, going to bed at a certain time of night, but, you know, that may not be enough sleep, you know, right now. I mean, I talk to parents that are um, home um, working and they're managing their kids at home and all their kids' school activities. I'm one of and them. And they are so <laughs> mentally and physically exhausted, yeah. you know, by the end of the day. It's like, you know, I've been encouraging, you know, go to sleep when your kids go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if that's Although helpful the, the, to you. The, the hard part is actually getting, you know, like we've, we've gotten, we have a teenager and a, a nine-year-old. And uh, so, so 16 and nine and, you know, for the, for the older one, we kind of, luckily we, we, do, we don't have to manage a lot right now. I mean, he basically sort of takes, takes over everything that he needs to do. He has questions about certain kinds of things or struggles that he's having, you know, trying to do this stuff online, but for the most part, he's kind of on his own and because he's in a, a, a in downstairs and we're upstairs, he stays up a little later sometimes now than he ever would have before because he was always on a pretty early schedule. So that has become difficult, but his schedule has become our schedule a little bit too, you know? And so, and so our, now our daughter is also, we're just trying to like, we, we've been sort of inching it back to a regular schedule as much as we can, because my wife is working from home too. She's got to be up, you know, fairly early. So yeah, we, we're, we're definitely feeling it. I mean, that's, that's, and, 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 and even early on, just, just the stresses that I, I think we were noticing, I wasn't sleeping very well or very long. I was waking up you know, at like 5.30 in the morning, just wide awake. And that's sort of a sign, I think. That's one of those things too, in terms of identifying. That's a sign that our, you know, our our uh, sympathetic, you know, response is kind of kicked in too, that we're having this fight or flight response. And just even just acknowledging that, I think, because I know so much about this stuff, it just helps me to sort of realize, okay, this is the place that I'm in right now. Absolutely. I mean, the fear and the anxiety, um, Jeremy, that you're describing and grips people and um, it's with them as they go to bed at night, first thing when they wake up in the morning. Yeah. And what you just said is like the absolutely um, sort of first step, you know, acknowledge um, what it is you're feeling um, and notice, you know, the different ways that, you know, that fear or anxiety, you know, is impacting you. And, you know, when people ask me, what do you do then about it? I mean, there are, you know, several things to think about, you know, sometimes actually, acknowledging the fear instead of trying to suppress it or the anxiety helps you actually being able to kind of look at what's real um, and what can you control and um, you know, what is just um, imagined, you know, and and you're kind of your, you know, your worst fear of what could happen. and, And it's very easy to kind of slip into catastrophizing. So really trying to shift to, you know, being in the present moment, you know, shifting your thoughts to, you know, um, you know, what gives you clarity, you know, what gives you, you know, safety. 
And, you know, people have asked me about even this with kids and, you know, how much do we tell our kids about what's going on and how do we answer our kids' questions around this? And, And again, I think, you know, not talking about it is not helpful. I think that can actually increase kids' fear and anxiety because they're very likely picking this up with their parents. And so acknowledging again, um, you know, uh, choices that you're making as a family to stay safe Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, why you're doing things to stay safe and parents being able to reinforce, especially with young children, that their job as parents are, you know, to keep kids, to keep their kids safe. Um, And so I think, you know, addressing kids at whatever their level is and answering, you know, the questions that, you know, kids have, because, you know, kids might be concerned about things like food, you know, do we have enough food? Mm -hmm. So then again, answering kind of the question that's being asked, I think, you know, is, is really important. And then, you know, for both adults and kids, there's a lot of strategies that can reduce, you know, stress. And you mentioned, um, I think earlier, you know, movement and meditation, there certainly are breathing techniques, um, um, mindfulness kinds of practices that can be, you know, cultivated that really, you know, help us be present and, um, and um, be in the present moment rather than kind of in the future. Yeah, and 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 I, the way that I think about this too, and the, what what I talk to some of my clients about right now is is kind of goes back to and I, and I've read you guys have a lot. Of, I'm, I'm I'm mentioning your website a lot partly because I think it's a it's a really great place to go for 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 resource right now. You've got some some places to sort of click through and learn different kinds of things. There's some videos in there, and and you know one of the things that I saw in there, which is something that's come up just recently with a therapist that I talked to on the podcast, is this this idea of you know once you identify what the feeling is that you're going through, you can start to you can start to work on compassion, and that takes you you know into this much more present state of this is what I'm experiencing you know, cut myself a little bit of slack, be kind to myself right now, allow, allow for breaks and rest and that kind of thing. And also to be able to identify that everybody else in our, in, in our communities and in our environment around us in our homes is probably going through the same thing. And I think that's from, you know, that was, that's something that's on your site as well, but it's, it's, it's a very simple way to just think about how, how do I start when I feel overwhelmed or what is, what is that feeling? Or even, I think you, the site even recommended just saying it out loud or writing it down. This is how I feel right now. This is the feeling I have, you know, it could be grief. It could be anger. Those are all, those are all emotions that will start to consume if we can't identify what they are. Yeah, really an important point. Um, you know, Jeremy, uh, you know, don't fight the emotion because if you fight it and try to suppress it, it doesn't work. And then what you've described are really um, great ways to think about exploring and processing your feeling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people can talk to other people about it. That can be a way to kind of process a feeling. Uh, but people can also write about it, sing about it, do art, do prayer, do meditation, do letter writing. Um, so all of the, there's many things that people can do, I think, to kind of process um, you know, some of those, those feelings. You know, I think something else that I'm seeing Jeremy come up a lot is um, um, the whole um, notion of purpose and, and, and sort of where people are in, you know, in that realm. And yeah. I recently read a blog post um, by a young guy. His name is um, Matt Cannon. Okay. And he just published it in the last couple of days. And, um, and he talked about, you know, the importance of, falling asleep knowing um, that you're resting to take up the effort tomorrow 
and wake up with something to work towards, um, that this is actually a really good time to discover a passion, mm-hmm. you know, or learn a skill. Yeah. Um, and at the Bakken Center for Spirituality and Healing, we talk a lot about purpose and well-being, that purpose is a major contributor to well-being. And there actually is a lot of scientific research that shows that you know, if people don't have a sense of purpose in life, they're, at, they're at, actually at higher risk of death. Yeah. Um, you know, compared to those that, you know, that have a a purpose. And so, you know, as we started this um, conversation, we talked about this is such an interesting time of reflection. And I think it's an interesting time for people to ask themselves questions about what's most important now, Mm -hmm. um, what's holding meaning, and to really think um, priorities. Um, And in the whole realm of, you know, priorities, I think that, again, it's, you know, you can look at this as, you know, glass half full, half empty. There's so much that we can't do, but embracing all of those things that we can do and essentially that are not canceled, um, you know, in our lives. And so I think big question I encourage people to think about are, you know, what positive changes and priorities, you know, have you started to notice? Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's important too. I mean, it's, it's it's a great time to take stock of things. It's you know I've I've been talking about this a little bit on the podcast about having some kind of gratitude practice. You know, it, it can be a daily thing, and it can be as simple as just you know saying out loud or writing down three things that you're grateful for. And you can do this as a family and as as you know, kids actually really like this, mm-hmm. and we've we've practiced it a little bit at home. And and I think if if you don't do it then then they start to they start to miss it too so it can be it can be very simple and and sometimes it is just you know sometimes you're going to say the same things over and over and over again i'm grateful to have this you know house and my pet or whatever whatever it is that you're that you feel really good about that you can just like look at in 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 front of you but sometimes the little things will kind of pop through like you know just some acknowledgement of of some basic thing, uh, some skill that you have, or some relationship that you have that that can I can I think be quite meaningful and actually just open up a, a lot of a lot of positive emotion for you. Well, the gratitude is huge, Jeremy, and there's actually a lot of scientific evidence. You know, many many studies have been done looking at people that do a gratitude practice, just like the one you described. It's often just um, called three good things. Um, that that actually is really re- uh, connected to having improved well-being, you know, reduced stress, um, a whole host of physical, um, uh, psychosocial, you know, emotional kinds of, of outcomes. So, you know, I think one way of looking at purpose is kind of, you know, reflecting on our lives and our priorities and, you know, what's important to us. I think this is also a time, Jeremy, for, you know, I really encourage people to think about um how can they remain open and curious about what's happen, happening? How can they use this time to learn? And in what ways um, can they grow, you know, mm-hmm. during this time? I think it is a time of, you know, growth in a lot of ways. Um, and growth can be thought of in terms of, you know, um, learning. But growth can be also thought about uh, in terms of relationships. Yeah, yeah. And you know, how do I want to cultivate relationships at this time when we are being required to socially distance. But while socially distance, that doesn't mean we don't have a, a, a deep need for personal connection and intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm going through that a lot with my mom right now. 
in, in, a, in a really kind of wonderful way that, that I don't think would have happened uh, otherwise because she is living alone. And we've, we've managed on, on nice days to have her come over and, and hang out in the backyard at a distance, which has been really nice. She actually got to come over on Saturday because it was like 60 degrees here. Um, but, but even just, you know, checking in a, t- a couple times a day with each other has, has turned into like a really nice ritual that I'm starting to realize that that's something that's probably more important for us than we, than we realized before. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a lot of people are asking questions about like, in this time of social distancing, what are some things, and you described, you know, one thing that you're doing is, is have, you know, being more intentional about connecting with your mom and even using, you know, an occasion to, um, you know, um, connect, you know, while you're in the backyard. And really, I, I've been impressed by how people are using technology for people that are at a distance and yeah. whether that's, you know, Skype or FaceTime or Zoom, but, you know, um, setting up conversations and sometimes with family members that they haven't actually even connected with for, you know, a long time. Um, and so, you know, whether it's picking up the phone and having a phone call, you know, writing a letter, um, you know, uh, you know, connecting with people personally at a distance. I mean, pe- I know people that are kind of meeting up to walk, but, yeah. you know, maintain their, you know, sort of, you know, six foot, um, you know, a distance. So I think it, it is a really critical time to, you know, think about how do you keep your relationships balanced in terms of, you know, giving and receiving, um, but make sure that you have people in your life that, um, that you're connecting with. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's crucial. So, do you have you have you been thinking at all about? I have a feeling you have about how this experience that we're going through together is going to is going to change us. You know, as we start, you know, bring getting back together in physical closeness and integrating again. Um, this this you know, I think I think we're kind of learning a new way to be connected with each other and realizing the the importance of the physical closeness. Do you, do you, do you have any thoughts on, on how, how integration is, is going to either change things for the better or worse? <laughs> well, I, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I'm Jeremy, I think that's a really interesting, you know, question to ask. Um, I think one way that it, this experience could change us is to recognize that um, we are all connected and, you know, while it's a time to think about personal um, health and well-being, there's never been a time that it's been more apparent that the choices that I make as an individual impact everybody around me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so in so many respects, I feel like, you know, Jeremy, our individual well-being, you know, is so connected to that sense of community and the collective well-being. And I guess one of the things that I, you know, find myself thinking a lot about is, you know, what are some of the lessons that we're going to learn, you know, from this time? Yeah, me too. Um, and are we going to have the ability to carry those, you know, lessons over? And so, you know, you and I were just talking about the importance of relationships and and the importance of cultivating relationships. And are we going to sort of notice from this time, um, you know, that um, there are some voids in our life and that there's some, you know, connections that we want to establish and some relationships, you know, that we, you know, want to, um, want to, you know, deepen. But it's also a time, I think, to think about, um, are we as connected as we can, should, want to be, you know, with the community um, around us? I mean, 
Well, there's a lot of focus on self. It's such an opportunity, I think, now to think about others. And so there are people that are alone and isolated, you know, in their homes and have such a need for people to reach out, whether it's, you know, bringing them food or bringing them, you know, toilet paper, or you know, dropping things off. And one of the things I've seen during this time that's just deeply, deeply touched me is how much people, again, are using all kinds of ways to reach out and connect with others. Um, um, You know, whether it's the, um, you know, people that are delivering meals or whether it's the musicians that are um, singing outside their homes, Mm -hmm. you know, at seven o'clock at night and, you know, singing, you know, Imagine, or whether it's the both amateur and professional musicians that are, you know, on Facebook, you know, essentially doing, you know, concerts, free concerts. Um, I just feel like people are keenly aware of the importance of connecting and how, you know, connecting to to community and those around us. It's really, really core to our, you know, our vitality and our, and our well-being. And I think one thing that's become really apparent during this time is that we know that our safety net um, is weak in this country and that there's a lot of people that have a lot of vulnerabilities. And yeah. I think this whole COVID-19 has just accentuated that. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's so many people that are under such incredible financial stress, food and housing insecurity, you know, increased um, risk for violence and abuse as, and, you know, deep needs for mental health services. So I think it, big question, you know, that remains for us to kind of be as a society looking at, you know, how do we acknowledge those, um, those vulnerabilities and what do we choose to do as a civil society? I think that's, I think that's huge right now. I I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, it's, I I feel like I went through the first, the first, you know, couple weeks more concerned with myself and the safety of my family and my loved ones and all that stuff. And then, you know, it started shifting to like, oh, you know, more of a leadership, you know, mindset of, well, what can I do to to sort of help, you know, people and, and go through that. This week, I have to admit that I, I've, I've felt like really angry, <laughs> you know, just deep, you know, some, some of the stuff that I see as, as it relates to what you're talking about, this lack of safety net for so many people and the way that we're, that we're not really uh, giving enough consideration to that when, when there's been plenty of, you know, time to really, we, President Obama acknowledged that this, this was going to be a problem. I just watched a video in 2014 where he actually said something like this planet, Spanish flu could happen in the next five to 10 years. So we, you know, we should be more prepared for this. And, you know, I mean, for, for health, I think, I think people are criticizing, you know, the hospitals and health centers for this, you know, not having enough supplies sometimes for these kinds of things. But, I, you know, I, I think hospitals, I'm, I'm sure you know, they're, they're always struggling financially. You know, there's, there's almost never enough support for what's going on in these, in these institutions. So we, we, we do need to think about, you know, what, what, what is that base that we need to have in terms of safety net? Um, and, and, I, and I think, you know, part of my, the, the anger for me fuels me to just start thinking about solutions for these kinds of things. What, what can we do to start preventing these kinds of things from happening again? And, you know, while still focusing on what's, what's important here, the, the, the wisdom of, of what's coming out of this, this situation, realizing what brings us this vitality and, and, and well-being. 
Well, I think it's really a time, you know, to sort of think of um, what do we want our future to look like? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what are we individually and collectively going to do to step into our full potential as, you know, humans, as communities? And I think about it at the level of, you know, um, you know, our neighborhoods, our cities, our states, our, our nation, you know, as well as, you know, the world. Um, and I certainly think that there is just, again, there's wonderful stories emerging um, of in the absence of leadership um, that we've seen at um, the federal level, quite frankly, yeah. um, the way that states are working together. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Just, Paralleled. I mean, look at New York, that is the you know um, you know epicenter right now of this crisis, and they're sending um, some of their ventilators to states that are suffering. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. because I think they realize again this collective well-being. What we do as individuals affects each other. What we do as states affects, you know, our collective. Yeah. Yeah, and and even even people from other states going to New York, other medical professionals going there, to to help back up and give breaks to some of the you know staff who've been you know working around the clock for the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff I've seen. I've just it, it, it's amazing, and and the way that the the governors are sort of you know bonding together, realizing they're not getting the the kind of support they should be getting, both in terms of e- equipment and testing. And, you know, trying to figure out how to solve the problems together, which is, you know, the idea of United States, right? I mean, <laughs> isn't that what we were kind of were working out in the first place? But I, I would I would I would think, you know, that we would have a, a little bit more unity from that from that federal office to sort of, you know, be, be a mediator in this situation. And that's the one thing that I think for, from my perspective, and I try not to get too involved in politics on the podcast, but I, I, in, in terms of leadership and in terms of a health crisis and, 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 and science denying at, at a time when, it, when science has probably become more important than it ever has, that, that, needs to be, that needs to be something that we pay a lot more attention to in the future too. Well, I think Jeremy, again, putting um, particular, you know, political parties and positions aside, it really is a time to kind of step back and look at what are our values, our core values as individuals, you know, and as a a society. And as we were talking about the whole issue of vulnerability and insecurity, I think it's really interesting and a bit ironic that now there's, you know, recognition, like we really do have to give people access to testing. And, you know, if people are diagnosed with COVID, we want to make sure that they can be cared for and that it doesn't financially ruin them. And obviously those things are really important, but oh my goodness, we've been talking about these issues for the last how many years about, you know, the incredible um, lack of access to healthcare that there is in this country. And so when people face, you know, diagnosis of cancer, or heart disease, or when they have, you know, um, you know, um, serious mental health issues. Um, those are equally important reasons why people need to have access, you know, to healthcare resources. So maybe COVID-19 is um, highlighting some of the lack of access and the vulnerabilities. But again, getting back to core values, I mean, do we have an expectation in this country that people should have access to um, things that are really part of basic human rights. And, you know, I would certainly put healthcare, um, you know, in that bucket. 
I, I think it's interesting to use the term I, 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 human rights, you know, because it, when, 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 you know, you and I end up probably talking about some very lofty ideals sometimes when it comes to well-being and, you know, just bringing about this sense of this idea of a safety net. I mean, that safety net is at the bottom, you know, and, and when we're talking about, you know, what, what is a, what is a basic human right? Um, I, I think we're, we're, we're missing the boat on some of the, you know, the, the, the people at the bottom who are really not getting any support or being protected. And I think it's become very clear in this, in this situation, who those people are, who's, who's ending up in institutions at this time point. Um, it's usually the elderly and um, black and Hispanic individuals in the country who are who are getting hit the hardest through this whole thing. If you look mm -hmm. at the, if if you take if you take those numbers, uh, and you know and sift out anybody else who's who's been hit with the with the virus, they are by far in the majority, and that's yeah. and, and that's become just so so obvious. So in terms of and and, and the, the way that I like to look at this stuff too is in terms of well being. I mean, we are a society. And if, if anybody is, is falling through like that, it's affecting all of us in some way. And, you know, it, it go, it's invisible sometimes, but it's, it, it's affecting our communities. Absolutely. Well, the last two areas, you know, that when I talk about, you know, well-being and things that are really impacting well-being, one we've really touched on, and that's the whole um, area of safety and security and, um, you know, the importance, again, figuring out, you know, what are the things that we can control and not control. Um, but the last area that I want to mention that I think is really one that we can really ponder and learn from at this time is the whole impact of the environment, um, you know, on our well-being. Yeah. And when I think of environment, um, Jeremy, I think of not only things like clean air, clean water, not having toxins in the environment, you know, I also think of the built environment, you know, what are the things that we can do even in our our homes yeah, <laughs> in, yeah. in terms of, um, you know, creating, you know, a well-being. And, you know, this is a time that with, you know, so many people um, working from home that, you know, I've, I've, you know, sort of said it's, you know, this is a really different time having sometimes even multiple generations, you know, in homes together the importance of, um, you know, negotiating some, you know, house rules and house norms, kind of creating some spaces and houses that may be different than, you know, what we've ordinarily had to create some, you know, even official learning spaces, you know, or workspaces. Right, right. But one of the most important things, I think, is, again, that whole impact of nature um, on healing. Such an important time, I think, to, you know, recognize that, nature actually has a really important healing and restorative um, role. And um, pre-COVID-19, um, what research shows is that we spend about 90% of our time indoors, most of that time mm -hmm. in buildings. Yeah. 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 And our this, this next statistic, every time I say it, it stuns me that total media consumption for U.S. adults is about 10 hours and 39 minutes daily, pre-COVID, pre-COVID, that is. Ugh. And so I think it's such a critical time to recognize that um, the benefits of nature, you know, are everything from reducing our stress, improving our sleep, decreasing anxiety, depression. There's studies that show it reduces um, um, aggression mm -hmm. as well as just, you know, leading to, you know, greater overall happiness. So um, I think it's really an important time to, you know, you know, I think started out by talking about that getting outdoors. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, and I think, I think about environments a lot the same way you do. And I think, you know, the, the, the spaces that we spend time in, and, and one of the hard things right now is that we have a lot of shared common spaces that we used to be able to go to, to sort of unwind, like, you know, restaurants and coffee shops and stuff like that. That's, that's, it's really hard not to have that, that break place kind of out of your home. And, 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 and on a week like we've had in, in Minnesota, where all of a sudden the temperatures just dropped and started snowing, it's been, I feel, I think I'm feeling it a little bit more this week than I have, because we've had such unseasonably nice weather. But, you know, to your point, we last, last Saturday when it was so nice and my mom came over and after she left, I had the idea to, we have a fire pit in our backyard and it was interesting to see my, my daughter, it was, it was really that late, but my daughter immediately kind of got sleepy just sitting there in the chair around the fire. Just that, that feeling of the, you know, the fire and being outside and the, the, the nice air. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, that's such an important thing that we, going forward here, I mean, we may, we may have another month of, of this, but even going forward to, you know, as we were talking about earlier, how can we, what can we learn from this experience that we can start to take into our lives again as we integrate? Well, as I think about that, um, you know, Jeremy, I do feel like, you know, how long is this going to go on? None of us know. When right, you say it may right. go on another month, I mean, I read things that say we may be in um, an, a time of needing to intermittently do social distancing for a year and a half. It's maybe true. Even it's true. Years. Yeah. And so, I think we have to kind of, you know, really mine those and kind of lessons to be learned. And, you know, I know I've said a couple of times, you know, focus on what you can control and can't control. And, you know, there's things we can't control, like how long this is going to last, um, how others react. We can't predict what's going to happen. We can't control the actions of others. Um you know, the amount of toilet paper in the store, the food, mm-hmm. you know, that we can find or not find. But there's so many things we can control and, you know, finding fun things to do at home. And just like you described, um, being outside to saying, ah, we're going to use the fire pit. Yeah. Um, you know, really focusing on uh, cultivating a positive attitude. Um, and you talked earlier about gratitude. Um, and so, I mean, that's something that we can control. Turning off the news. Um, and so, well, I think it's really important that people stay educated and informed, um, getting caught up in the 24 seven news cycle yeah, and also be, you know, fairly toxic. So, you know, my recommendation is, um, and, you know, limit social media yeah. and limit your, you know, sort of, you know, your, your screen time. And obviously there's things that we need to do that are in our control, like following CDC guidelines and maintaining social distancing. But other things that we can control, Jeremy, is, you know, the kindness and grace we bring into the world, um, you know, how we treat each other. And, you know, something else we've talked about throughout this podcast, we, we, I can control how I'm going to use this time. Am, am I going to use this time to learn and to grow Am I going to work on maintaining curiosity, you know, and openness? Um, um, That feels to me like a much better sort of um, way of being than, um, you know, um, focusing on, you know, anger and loss and, you know, what I don't have. Right. Yeah. And, and just the, and just the effect of, of kind of working on, I mean, it, it, it's a time to actually, work on our on the some of our our uh, behavioral habits in terms of how we view things if we 
if we can acknowledge the, the the sort of negative emotion and turn it into something positive, you know, I, you you use the example of of a rubber band I, that I really liked, or I don't know if, if this is your writing or or someone from the center, but um, just that this the, for as far as emotional resilience is concerned, it's kind of like this, this rubber band and setting up a, a sort of regular way of doing things. Um, that that helps you, whether it's gratitude or exercise or whatever it is that kind of helps helps get you into the into that right mindset frame, makes us resilient. So that when when something happens, you know that that we can't control, that we have the ability to bounce back. Right. Well, my favorite you know definition um, of resilience comes from a psychiatrist, um, Dr. Stephen Southwick, and he defines resilience as the capacity to bend but not break. Mm-hmm. And bounce back. Yeah, yeah. And so, so many of the practices I think that we've talked about, um, you know, in this, um, you know, conversation today, really focus on um, ways to develop and cultivate, you know, both well-being um, as well as resilience. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to to go through all this with me right now because. I know there are a lot of people who will benefit, and I knew you would be the right person to talk to at this moment. <laughs> well, thank you, Jeremy. You know, there's you mentioned our resources, and I'll just you know end by saying you know there's um, two websites that I really encourage your um, listeners to check out. Yet on the center's websites, um, the Center for Spirituality and Healing, um, there's a COVID nineteen um, uh, you know, sort of link, and if you open that up. There's all kinds of resources under um, the section entitled community, everything from, you know, many things we've talked about today, recognizing positive moments, gratitude, taking care of yourself, dealing with fear and anxiety. So all kinds of of resources. And then we have another website called um, Taking Charge of Your Health and Well-Being. And that's a consumer-facing website. We get about a quarter of a million unique visitors every month on that website. Yeah, that's amazing. And there's so much good information. There's a a lead story right now on coping with change and loss in COVID-19 times Mm -hmm. and talking about kind of all the ways that we can um, um, manage the loss of um, communication, the loss of safety that we have. So um, that's a great website to check out as well. And, and I'll throw that up on the show notes right on the app that you're listening to this on too. So great. Um, that's, that's really great. Well, thanks so much, Mary Jo. I really appreciate it. And it's been great spending some time with you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for what you do. Dr. Mary Jo Kreitzer. One of the big takeaways for me in this one was her insight on how home and work life are becoming so blended with us working at home these days. It's a a good reminder to pay attention to the way that I'm organizing my days and make sure that I'm giving myself space for mental and physical rest to keep my energy up for each next day so that I don't become depleted. And let's be real here, sometimes doing less is not possible. Now that I'm homeschooling for part of every day, I often have a few things that I have to get caught up on in the evenings, you know, once or twice a week. But having a structure, the structure many of us had by going to a physical location and and spending our days there created a natural separation. These lines were clear and obvious. Creating boundaries and sticking to them as much as we can allows us space for some essential letting down and unwinding. And then if you have to work into the evening, as I did last night to finish this episode, I can at least acknowledge that I've crossed the boundary so that I have a better sense of how I'm actually using my time. 
check out the center's website that we mentioned here. It's csh.umn.edu. And I'll have a link for you here in the show notes. So much great content to explore here. Let me know what you thought of this topic in conversation. You can always reach me at my new email address, jeremy at highway2.health. Thanks for listening and for all that you do. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Crockover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App, and that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.